What the fuck is happening, fam? It is your boy, the Sultan of Sativa, the Ayatollah of Indica, the Bobby Fisher BHO, a.k.a. the Gordon Ryan of Ganj, a.k.a. the Holy Hashashin, a.k.a. the Hicks and the Hash, a.k.a. Willie the Cool Penguin, a.k.a. Abraham Lincoln, a.k.a. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a.k.a. Donald Blunt, a.k.a. George Cush, a.k.a. fucking Dro Hyden, a.k.a. Lord Bonktomore. And I'm here. Another brand spanking new episode of the number one can of podcast on the whole fucking this dimension. Um, and tonight, tonight's a very special night. You know, as as usual, uh, the regular shit applies. If you enjoy the episode, share it with somebody. Um, you already know I'm heavily, heavily, heavily visibility filtered. And so without people like you, the loyal listeners that we are oh so thankful for, uh, it is up to you to get the word out and share the shit, especially if it's shit that you don't want to say, but you fuck with and agree with. And if you're scared to say it, say, hey, this motherfucker will say the shit that I'm scared to say. Here it is. Listen to it. And tonight, um, as I said, is a special episode. And the reason why it's so special is because... um, I have one of my very good friends, my brother, my homie, uh, and the reason I brought him on is because I get a lot of people, well, I get some people who ask me questions about 75 Hard and uh, the lifestyle changes that I've made and why I keep doing it over and over again. And sometimes I feel like it's not enough for me to just say it, and so it felt like it was important for me to bring on somebody who not only has done it themselves, but is actually one of the main motivating factors as to why I've been able to do it uh, every single time that I've completed it. Uh, And that is, without further ado, my man, Robbie Baker, a.k.a. Robbie or Baked. Uh, What's up, brother? I need to get more nicknames for you. I'm going to come up with some for, for the next time you come on here. Obviously, it was short notice. But for the next time you come on here, oh, of course. I'm gonna have another nickname for you. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna have at least two yeah. AKAs for you. Robbie Arbate. <laughs> that's always a good one. But that's right. that's the struggle with whenever I talk to you. It's like, what do I call him? Do I call him Ned Sparks? Do I call him Donald Blunt? I never know. But dude, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's it's absolutely a pleasure. I've uh, I've uh, been meaning to do it for quite some time, you know, and it's I think it's important not only uh, to share somebody that has a really cool story with more people uh, for them to find some hope in or, or whatever the reason may be, but uh, because, you know, you've had such an impact on my life and, uh, and our friendship is something that is uh, has been important and I feel also lets people in. A little bit more about who I am and the type of people that I I like to have around me, you know, such as you. Oh yeah, right, dude. And I like as soon as you mentioned this, like it got me stoked because it like had me reflecting on a lot of things that like over time and like the speed of life you forget. So I've definitely been thinking about seventy five hard and like the first time I did it, it has brought back a lot of good memories and like brought back some of the purpose and shit and like why I even started, why I started doing it. So uh, I'm definitely stoked for this. 
Yeah, well, you know, and, and not just uh, on the 75 hard side of things. I know that that's kind of like what we talked about as, as a main topic and a main theme. But I know for me, right, 75 hard was so much – so much more than uh just like some little challenge or some little like workout right it's something that i believed would help me fucking work the muscle the mental toughness muscle and uh and and i would have to say after completing it multiple times now and completing multiple phases of the live hard program that i mean it has it has done that you know? Dude, yeah, it it changes lives, and like I remember when I first started out, like I, to even begin, like you were the first person that ever showed me Andy Frisella, and like yeah, yeah everybody yeah. that watches this knows exactly who that is, and that he's the first that created seventy five hard. But like that was right before COVID had started, and like I started watching him, and I I watched what he was saying, and like how he was reacting and like saying that like some significance going to happen. And like right then and there, like just listening from like that mentality and like being around you, because that was probably only like six to eight months into our friendship at the time. And like, I remember listening to that and I was like, shit's about to change and it's time to get hard. And like, I know that you had gotten into jujitsu because like, People were out here acting weird. Like they yeah, weren't acting yeah, yeah. right at all, dude. Like right. when when you have to worry about like a regular person coming up on you and hurting you, you gotta do shit that makes you hard. And like the only way to do that is to work that mental muscle, like you were saying, because no amount of strength training like a lot of jujitsu training, yeah, it's gonna get you ready for that shit. But as far as like standing your ground and shit, like there's some people that we have seen that just because they do a hard activity doesn't mean that they're mentally hard. And like no. 75 hard sets you up for that shit. Like it makes you have that no option mentality. It makes you get up and fucking do shit when you don't want to do it. And that's something that I've always struggled with, dude, so much. <laughs> I still do. Like I, I'd be lying if I said that 75 hard has completely 100% changed me, but it has set me in the right fucking direction. Well, look, and let's uh before before we get into that, right? It's it's really diving in the seventy five hard rabbit hole. I think in order for people to understand where you're at with it now, and and who you are now, they have to understand the Rob of old. You know, they have to understand Rob before I met you. You know, and and why yeah. you and how you and I became such good friends, and um. And some of the the important shit. Oh, you got a photo. Oh man, perfect, perfect. Uh, for those who are listening, it's Robbie's uh, senior photo here. And uh, I'll tell you, his face is way rounder. What were you way weighing rounder. in that pic? At least senior year, almost end of senior year, probably two fifty, dude. Two sixty. So, I wasn't at my heaviest, but I was heavy. What would you say you were at uh, your heaviest? 270. I probably even crushed over 270. I just never stepped on a scale. And what are you weighing at right now? Last time I stepped on a scale was 163 flat. Woo! So about 100 <laughs> pounds lighter than you are in that picture. Easily. You know, you yep. know? 
And now, and you have kind of like, I, I always, I think you have such a unique story too. Uh, give us a little bit of a background, right? Robbie at, at 260, 270. What does that dude like? Oh man. Um, so hard to even look back at it. That guy was waking up in the morning. I was probably eating like some peanut, like two to four pieces of peanut butter toast in the morning. I was going to school, like trying so hard to fit in with everybody. Like I didn't feel like I fit in, but I was trying hard to fit in with everybody and anybody. And like everyone had that fat kid. And like, I was definitely that fat kid. Like everyone knew that I was big. I could walk into the classroom, dude. And I remember sweating my fucking ass off, just sitting in class, looking at everyone else. And I'm just like wiping sweat off my face. Like fucking my stomach is just like resting on my fucking all dude. No dick is in sight. My stomach yeah. is sitting on my lap, dude. And like, I remember just being in class and I'm sweating my ass off and nobody else is. And I'm like wondering why. And like, Anybody in their right fucking mind should know why, but when you're completely blind to the lifestyle that, like, I was living, I was eating Taco Bell every night. Like, I was that Taco Bell crew, dude. I used to hang out with the homies at Taco Bell. Oh, everybody cool. hangs at a, everyone had a phase where they hung at the Taco Bell parking lot. Trust me, I've been there, yep. done that. We used to, we used to do tricks for tacos on our skateboards. We convinced the, the Mexicans uh, that worked there to give us tacos for different tricks. We would do a trick for them, and if we landed it, they would give us a taco. He doesn't even trade. And dude, yeah. I remember, I remember putting a pocket full of change, or putting a change, putting change in my pocket, and going up to Taco Bell every night. Yeah. And I sit there at the little fucking game, like, yeah, yeah. Down, down, trying to win trying to get them. those free cinnamon twists. <laughs> yes, hell like, yeah! I did my whole meal doing that, dude. Did they ever? Uh... Did they at any point like stop having the water in it? Cause like the one at my Taco Bell, like after a certain point, they just stopped putting water in it. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. I honestly don't remember a time when there was water in it. What? Like, it was always yeah. For dude, me, maybe once or twice, but maybe it was remember. a Mandela effect. But like that joint definitely <laughs> had like this cool yellowy light, and it was like bubbly in there and you had to fuck it that's what made it so hard is you drop it in and like yeah. it'd be like bloop 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 and okay, maybe land on there mention it i do remember that kind of because i remember being able to drop it in and it just landed on the bottom one being like yes yeah. i don't have to work for it <laughs> dude, i had the question mentality bro i did not want to work for shit dude like like i was even I was... <laughs> that's like a testament of like even like uh, in in the way we do one thing is the way we do everything right like oh, that yeah. put the cart back mentality right you were so against doing work even at the taco <laughs> bell little change game was like yes i don't have to work for it yeah <laughs> dude that's free, that's free food right there like hey, I, was, uh, I was at all the events eating up all the food and at this point what was your uh you know, what was your using activity like? At that point, my my addiction was food. Like, yeah, that, that's all it was, really. Um, 
I smoked weed. I was a heavy drinker. Like at that phase, I was a big drinker. Like as soon as we leave high school, my boy. Fucking, yeah, as soon as we leave high school on Friday, it was on. We we're getting tanked all fucking weekend, even right. all day Sunday, and then back to school Monday. And like the the eating habits followed. You know, I was binge drinking. We're waking up every morning and going to Harvest Inn or Denny's, and I'm fucking loading up, dude. Like, granted, I had, like, my medical issues. Like, I do struggle with Crohn's disease, but, like, that that was no excuse. <laughs> right, right. Because, like, I, mean, I, was, I was on steroids growing up, and that was what led to, like, a lot of the weight gain and whatnot. But we all know that that's not what fucking holds that weight. We keep that right, shit right. by eating like shit. Right. I mean, you know, you're drinking all weekend, right? Your body's normal processes aren't running properly because it's trying to filter the alcohol that food is just sitting calories just sitting you know and dude that was a typical lab rat what do you mean well like my struggle with Crohn's was real weird because they can't technically diagnose somebody until they're 18 years old. So how come? From the, I don't know. I guess because our our bowels and like our stomachs are growing, and like I, maybe some like changes are supposed to happen as we're growing up, and they couldn't necessarily like. At first, they couldn't necessarily say that's exactly what it was. Right. But then, like, dude, I would have a colonoscopy every single year. At least two colonoscopies and endoscopies every single year from like the time I was eight until 15. Um, But yeah, at 12 years old, they're like, we can't diagnose you with it. But hey, here's some steroids. Hey, we have these treatments. I never got into that like stomach in the shot or shot in the stomach. stomach. Yeah. So you've always been a, a an avid cannabis user for the Crohn's. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the glycoma. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I remember my... like growing up trying to justify that shit all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every, every family gathering, it's like, yeah, I smoke because I've got anxiety, I've got depression, I've got this. Yeah, I need to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I need a bacchiotomy. You know, any, any, yeah, anything, dude. Yeah, Aunt Karen is over there taking her Xanax, and she's like, oh, Robbie's over there smoking weed. Yeah, <laughs> Karen, try it out. Yeah, get off the chill pills. That's, yeah, dude, the chill pills were, like, my second addiction from, like, my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, did you spend any time, like, did you ever, like, drink and, and do Xanax or anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. That was the first time I swore I saw Jesus, dude. <sighs> dude. Benzos and drinking are straight up time traveling, bro. Yes. Yep. What? I was in this uh, room, dude. Go ahead. I was just saying, I was in this room that first time when I, that I did that, and, like... Oh, uh, it was one of those times where it was like, I did not want to see tomorrow. <laughs> like, I was definitely a heavy drinker and taking the Xanax, and 
I remember fucking sitting in here just seeing Jesus. I was like, what the fuck? And that was an right. awakening moment for me, but it wasn't enough to change. How old were you? I was like 16 at that moment. Bam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Getting rowdy. All the time. Yeah, I um, I don't know if I think you had, we had talked about it, but last weekend when I was at my mom's and went for a run around town, was posting all those little memories, uh, my story. Dude. Yeah, dude, we drank. I was playing a show at a Jewish teen center in Reisterstown. Uh, okay, it was it was in Reisterstown. Maybe it was Pikesville. I swear it was in Reisterstown. Um. Mm-hmm. But, like, dude, I had drank, like, an 18-pack throughout the course of a day. Uh, like, hammer time, right? Yeah. And then our bass player's girlfriend, who, you know, lunatic, she, um, she gave, she was like, oh, do you want some fucking benzos? Or she was like, do you want some clonopins? I was like, what the fuck is clonopin? Yeah. And so I just fucking ate them. And, like, dude, I mean, it just, like, was was downhill from there. And we ended up getting that show and the way that I behaved afterwards mm-hmm. is the reason we got banned in Baltimore. Uh, there We had, like, mm-hmm. all these shows. We had, like, five shows coming up. Uh, this bit, one band we were playing with, they ended up, they could, they, first of all, first of all, they classified themselves as a PC, politically correct, uh-huh. punk band. What can can you tell me what the fuck a politically correct punk band even is? Because to me that sounds like the most the antithesis of punk. Dude, that's a progressive rock band. That's what that is. Oh, dude, I fucking (laughs) I laid into him, dude. And at this point, I don't know what it was. I think I've talked about it before, but these women would talk shit to me, and their boyfriend was like in one of the other bands, and I'd have to punch them. And, uh, you know, I was, like, about to punch this one dude. His man came over, and I fucking called him some words that are definitely not PC. Uh, <laughs> it was a different time back in 05, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. For sure. It, people and, weren't scared of confrontation in 05. Uh, uh, and then, you know, they ended up, like, messaging the booking agent saying we were racist, sexist, and homophobic. I was, like, one of the original people to get canceled, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, that was, cool. like, a, that was like, dude, they went on our MySpace and messaged all the booking agents from the shows we had coming up. After that, we, like, oh, only played sh- we only played shows in, like, D.C. and Delaware. Um, cool. But it was, uh, you know, I got home, first of all. My man went to drop me off. I was like, no, 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 no. I still got like three beers left. Uh, just take me to April's. I'll walk home. Lost my lost my PlayStation Portable somewhere on the road. What uh, was April? Was that a April, April's the, Yeah, yeah, that's his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I was going to keep her anonymous, but I guess it doesn't fucking matter. Um, <laughs> why the fuck does it matter? Uh, they used to be married. Um, anybody that knows can look at my fucking, look up my old band, Kill Whitey, and they would see who it is. Um, but I get home and like, I don't, I don't remember getting home. Like I remember getting out of Jason's car and starting to walk home in the direction of my house. I don't remember getting home. I don't remember getting into my car. 
uh, I just woke up with Wu-Tang blaring, like blowing out my speakers loud. And it's four in the morning and I'm crashing into cars parked in a driveway. Oh, fuck. You know, no, and I'm in, the, I'm in the neighbor's yard just fucking like trying to see if my car will start. And this dude comes out and uh, fucking yokes me up like, what the fuck are you doing? I just hit him like three times and pushed him out of my way. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. I just woke up and I'm crashing into the fucking cars, man. He didn't give a fuck. He tackled me. He, he was some like retired special police officer. Fucking tackled oh, me. Mush like mushing my hand into the ground. Fucking one of the cops that was on scene was my girlfriend at the time's best friend's mom. Oh, she was talking small town. She was talking shit. I fucking I hit her with some truth bombs about her daughter she didn't want to hear. Um I was I was fucking dude in the hospital, still under the influence of these fucking clonopin. I fucking I definitely said some very out of pocket shit and and paid for it via catheter. They did not mind shoving that thing on my pee hole. Oh hell no. You know, but yeah, so anyway, anyway, uh, you were, um, 16 seeing Jesus all benzos and booze. Oh, yeah, yep, still eating garbage, just fucking shuffling in there, whatever you can. Continue, um, dude, man, I, I always lived like a pretty active lifestyle, dude. I Grew up playing frisbee in the parking lot, but like my feet were never fast enough to keep up with my body. I was usually like face planting, like trying to go balls to the wall, like trying to make the catches, you know. Right. And then like it was just never in my realm to ever think that like I ever wanted to be fit or even like you know live in active lifestyle like I feel like I definitely live a pretty active lifestyle now but back in the day like my thought of active is a lot different than it is today right (laughs) right so like looking back and even saying that I was a pretty active person back then is kind of like (laughs) I feel like I'm lying to myself now dude right right (laughs) but like it was ne- like it was it was pointed out to me a couple of times too. Like, let me tell you about that because that's an interesting story. Please. Um, like I had a lot of resentment towards my grandfather. Um, like I still don't really talk to him because he he's not. But so <laughs> when I was like twelve, Grandop came up to me. Yeah, Grandop. Yeah, it started when he was 17 years old working for the NSA type op. Mm. Um, But so when I was 12 years old, I remember him coming up to me and straight up calling me fat and telling me I had to lose weight, dude. And I fucking hated him. Like, I, I really, really didn't even fuck with him because of that. Like, any type of family get together. Like, I was trying to go and hang out with my girlfriend's family versus hanging out with mine. Because, like, my family called me out, and, like, at the time, like, I I really didn't like it. But, um... What do you think about it now? Well, that's the interesting thing. And also, my dad had done that to me at a young age. And Mm. so, like... Cookie jar shit. Yeah. Now, 
like when I first started losing weight, dude, I would scream that shit at myself, dude. You fat fucking piece of shit. Like I would, I would tell myself like everyone who had ever called me fat. Like I remember being in first grade, and this fourth grader came by. And he's like, you're so fat, I could throw you on the grill. And I was like, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> what does grade, that even dude. mean? <laughs> I was in first grade. And I was like, damn, that shit hurt. <laughs> yeah, dude. Just the, word, just the three letter, F-A-T, dude. That shit, like, hurt back then. But yeah, yeah. Like, when that switch finally flipped, like you said, that cookie jar that David Goggins talks about. That shit's real, dude. Like, it takes going through, like, extreme pain, through, like, an extreme lifestyle change. Like, it really takes a lot of that to actually, like, be able to drive yourself. Unless, like, there's people, and, like, I don't, like, bless their heart, dude, honestly, because if, if you can just make that change without having to go through hard shit in life, that is a blessing, dude. Like, I'm sure it's got its challenges. Like, I couldn't understand that. Everyone's got their own challenges. But, like, having to pull yourself through any type of hardship, <laughs> that's where character's built, dude. Fuck and, like, yeah. that's, that's why I don't hold any resentment towards any of those people anymore. Like, I'm so thankful that they were there to, you know, tell me about myself and plant those seeds because that's what it was. It was, like, planting that seed before I really wasn't able to make a change. Because let's be real, like, once you reach 400 pounds, your percentage of actually being able to probably lose that weight is a lot harder than only being 270 like me and right. being able to, like, make that change at a young age. Right, right. Well, and it's funny, too, like... uh how we think about how these things in the moment, like, it's like, damn, you know, like, it really hurt that these motherfuckers called me fat, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's like, at the same time, right, it's like, you look back at it, and you're like, damn, if these motherfuckers didn't call me fat, I'd still be fat as fuck, you oh, know? Because yeah. yep. when you use that shit as your cookie jar motivation, <laughs> it it becomes something different, it does. you know? And when you get, when you stop fucking eating your feelings or, or putting shit in, you know, it's like, and you start feeling okay with yourself. So, so you were using fucking power of the spoken word long before you fucking really were, you know, into people that talk about that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You were digging in the cookie jar long before you knew what you were even, before it was even a, a real active thing in your life. Yeah, dude, to think about it that way, I definitely was, and, like, I was definitely harboring it a different way, which yeah. led to, like, a different sort of intake for intake to outtake, like, type situation. Yeah. Like, now, now harboring that shit isn't really harboring it, it's, like, putting it in a special place that only gets touched when, like, I feel like I'm about to die. And, like, we've been through a couple of those situations yeah. before together, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, that, damn, that's such an eloquent way to put it. You, It's not something that you harbor. It's just something that you hold in a little special place deep inside so that when you're fucking dying and you don't know if you want to take another step or you want to slow down or you want to fucking tap or whatever the fuck it is, 
You want to yeah. fucking quit your fucking job? You just pull that little shit out and say, you know, fucking lose the weight, you fat fuck, and you fucking grind yeah. out whatever it is you're doing. Exactly. I'm like, that, that's exactly what it takes, dude. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, especially since I, I hit that uh, ROP, I mean, you've been around. I mean, it's like I have no problem at this point using the spoken word to fucking get me fired up and move my feet a little faster. Yeah, dude. I do that shit when you're not around now, too. What's that? Just like screaming shit while I'm fucking running. Especially when I'm like, you know, at the last part of that, like the 5K loop where, you know, we got to go up that hill coming around the the turn (laughs) where it's like such a prime spot to slow up. Yeah. You know, it's like even it's like that's that's good. Before we even like heard about the cookie jar too, like I remember. Well, I mean, I I can't ima- I can't remember exactly when like David Goggins really started pushing that cookie jar. I guess it was in San Francisco. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, um, like when he started talking about that cookie jar, like I even had cookie jar it was just my voice in my head like I couldn't, yeah like, i couldn't talk to myself like if right. i talk to myself then it's gonna end up in a bad fucking outcome i'm usually gonna end up on my fat ass sitting there and probably eating something i shouldn't watching something i shouldn't doing something i shouldn't dude mm-hmm. so like before like even figuring out about the spoken words like you said it was it was all there it just wasn't put the way it is now well, yeah, and the, I mean, that's the same for me, dude. I always, I talk about how, like, my first year clean, I stayed clean off of fucking pussy and spite, you know? Like, I used yeah. women, like, uh, the way I was using drugs, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, put myself in some dumb situations at that point mm-hmm. uh, with that, in that regard, but then also, like, Anytime I wanted to get high, like I always, there was like one person specifically and like there was one specific instance and it's like another one of those moments where it's just like so much validity to what they're saying, mm-hmm. but like you're so closed off to that idea and you're so angry that they fucking said that, that like you can't even think about whether or not it's true or like your ego can't acknowledge that because it is painful because then you would have Mm -hmm. to do something about it and i always think about this girl we were at my man's funeral and it was packed and he fucking he he killed himself like shot himself in the head with a shotgun type (laughs) shit and um i mean it was like a whole thing for them to get his body back from like new mexico like he was like living in albuquerque at the time uh, like a friend of mine's family that was a part of this church, they like put the money up to get his body back and all this shit. Anyway, we're like at the funeral. I'm like in the bathroom shooting up, fucking, yeah, you know, you know, doing what I do. And you know, it's like at the end, uh, we're like everyone's outside, and you know, this other, actually, I was getting ready to leave that funeral to go to like a little celebration of life at a park for a man, uh, one of my homies that had a kid I knew growing up that overdosed on pills. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was like some other, someone else, I can't remember her name, but this girl died. You know how that three shit works. Yep. Another, she overdosed. Yeah, 
Yep. And so, um, you know, this one girl, fucking, uh, Erica is her name. She was like just standing there behind me and she was like, didn't realize I was there and was like, I bet Elliot will be next. I just like turned around. I was talking to my man, Drew. What the fuck did you just say? She's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were right there. And it's like, okay. It's like, I didn't mean it like that. It's like, I don't know how else you could mean that, but okay. Yep. Yep. We all know exactly how she meant that. Like that's some petty shit. Dude, and and I don't I don't harbor it against her. She was right. Mm-hmm. The way I was living, it was very yep. possible that I could have been next. Yep. And so, like, I don't fucking hold any resentment towards that. Like, oh, no. and and because that's what kept me clean throughout that first year. Every time, yep. like, I was faced with a decision, like, say fuck it, mm-hmm. or make it through the day. I would think I bet bet Elliot will be next. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like mm, can't let him be right. Yep. You know, you and, fucking didn't, dude. Fuck that. No. <laughs> and, throw it down their and, fucking throat. You know, and I, I actually posted about it earlier, but that episode of Real AF that Andy just did, it was like a real talk, it's like 13 minutes. Like, there was a lot of shit that's like, you know, kind of related to business, but that's what he was like talking about at the end. And he was like, you know, fucking the only people that fail are the people who quit, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, and just like one more thing, like, I hope you realize that, like, if you quit in fucking 10 years, they're going to fucking say those same people that are, don't understand now are saying yeah. shit like, yeah, you know, he had a little thing going, but he fucking failed just like I knew he would. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like when I heard that dude, it just gave me the goosebumps, you know, and it's yeah. like that that thought of I can't let other people be right mm-hmm. is valuable even today. I mean, yeah. I. I do that all the time, you know, like, uh, but look, go into, uh, so what was the situation when you were starting to lose some weight? So we know you were using the power of the spoken word. You were digging in the cookie jar. How old are you at this time? All right. So, I mean, back then, I mean, I was probably 19 or 20. Like I had just gotten out of high school. Um, and, like, I started losing weight a little bit due to, like, depression and, like, definitely isolating myself, like, not eating because I wasn't, like, I, I, was, I was finding other ways to cope, and it wasn't just eating at that point. Like, I was definitely always with a girl, and that, that was something that became a big part of my lifestyle was codependency. So, like, when they say that, like the drugs are always the issue. Like we all know that that's true. Like, right, right. Point. So right, right. Was getting into like some some long relationships, and like when the change really started was after I got clean, and I got clean when I was twenty twenty three. Um. It's almost been five years now. Twenty four. When I when I got clean, like I thought that that was gonna be the end all be all, like life solved. <laughs> but right, like getting clean, there wasn't much change. Like when I was in rehab, that was when I kind of figured out how to eat healthy, and like my style of eating healthy was eating a salad. 
Like, because right. they had a salad bar, so I was fucking stacking that bitch, you know? Salad right. ranch on it, like, that. that's eating healthy at that point. Well, so <laughs> when you when you ended up going into rehab, like, what was kind of the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back? Man, um, oh. I... I got into a pretty bad fucking accident in August, the year before I eventually went and got my ass into rehab. Like, I was coming back from, I was working in Laurel at the Laurel racetrack. Um, so, of course, I came with perks. Whenever Pimlico had an event, I could work there. So, of course, I'm at uh, Moonride Festival getting tanked on fucking Molly, mushrooms, fucking smoking mad weed, drinking. <laughs> while getting paid and uh, I ended up going to work that next Tuesday coming home hitting a telephone pole and like right there everything just went downhill like I was looking into every pill I could to try and solve the problem at that point it was like I've got anxiety I've got extreme PTSD from fucking nailing this telephone pole taking a road that I gotta drive every day for work um and it took three months to get my ass back into work. When I finally got back into work, uh, I realized that I was fucked up. Like, I had really bad brain trauma from the concussion when I hit the telephone pole. And then uh, everything just went downhill from there. Finally, in January, thanks to my mom, my girlfriend at the time, Randy, was running in a rehab called RCR Waldorf. And uh, I was walking in that bitch, dude. And like, I haven't told many people this, but I think I told you. I walked in that bitch, and me and my mom have always had a tight relationship, like almost too tight. Like, because right. my mom was always the one giving me my fucking pills, dude. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. On, on some real shit. Like, yeah. A lot of people don't understand that relationship. But, uh, hey, I've shot dope <laughs> with my dad. I I understand yeah. that relationship, you know? Absolutely, dude. And there's not a lot of people outside <laughs> of the realm of, like, addiction that definitely understand that. But so I walked into the rehab, and my mom, as I'm fucking signing the papers, dude, she was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you, you don't want to, like, go check out another place and whatnot? And I was like, no, nah, yeah. mom, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> I, I'm done. That's, I, fought the, that, I fought the good fight. <laughs> that takes a lot of courage, man. Like, a lot of fucking yeah. courage. You know, and, uh, the dope thing uh, about opiates, no pun intended, is that they can cause you a lot of fucking pain pretty quick. Yeah. You know, yeah. they can... You start fucking talking about car accidents while you're all fucked up. I mean, I've been in a couple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm also very grateful to fucking still be here. Yeah. And, you know. As well as eat. I am, dude. And so, going into rehab, mom's mom's almost on board with you just keeping on the path that you were on. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely, she's like, still enabling at that point. Like, she's not ready to let, let loose, like, let, let me go and, like. Right. I was definitely attached at the hip, you know, it was like a 22, 23 year old. For some reason that was blind to me, but obviously it, it, when, when you're hooked to a relationship by um, something that 
misconstrues reality. Like it's hard, it's hard to see things clearly. And like, but once I got clean, like, it, it's really, it's been hard on me and my mother's relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's tough, dude. And that's, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time. Uh, but that's like, you know, that's like being getting clean in the hood that you live in times ten. Yep. You know, yep. like you're at home and you're behind enemy lines in a war zone. Yep. You Walking know, through ball, dude. I like I really saw that shit like the first few times, like when I'd be walking through the city with you, dude. Like people were always like fucking. They were definitely calling both of us out, but they were yeah. definitely, you know, when you got hand tattoos and like you got fucking face tattoos, like that shit stands out. And they, they I look know like their clientele. Yeah. yeah, they know for sure. Yeah. So like, I know how hard that's been on you too, dude. So I, oh, yeah. I, I, I appreciate how much you can always relate. And that's why our friendship's always been good. Right. Well, and that's the, that's the thing, dude, is just like, I, I love it because you have this no excuses mentality that starts right at home. And it started like you made the decision to get clean. You didn't have like, like, see my family, like they all desperately wanted me to get clean. They're like, get the fuck from around here, get the fuck out of here and go get your shit together. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yep. they loved me. They, uh, you know, they did what they could. Right. I just was my own little wild fucking flaming ball of chaos. Mm -hmm. and you know like they were like go to fucking rehab get the like whatever we can do to help get the fuck out of here yeah. you know so like when i went and got clean it was like they supported me in whatever ways they could right they were very very helpful in that regard mm -hmm. you know and it's like but like not everyone's situation is that and it's like when i think about how you just keep putting these days together and no matter what it's like i'm not going back to this life dude no you know? And like now, obviously, it's way easier. You know, it's it's probably just more annoying than anything. Yep. Like, but early on, those are like when you first come home from treatment, and like, I mean, we're I'm sure their thought process was not like, you know, like it it was just business as usual. No, not at all, dude. Like, I was fortunate to move in with my girlfriend at the time, like straight from rehab, but. Mm. I remember them like breaking down the percentages of like people that stay clean who don't go to halfway houses or the, oh like, yeah 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 live in situations and like I remember the fucking like counselor meeting like while I'm in there like talking to my mom and like fucking like trying to like beg her like hey just get clean like so that I can come home and things can be good and I don't have to worry about like covering my back. Um, but yeah, like they, they were big on trying to get me into a halfway house. They didn't want me going home and living with my girlfriend at the time. And like, we were both big partiers, dude. Like it, it right. was, it, it was, it was a partying lifestyle at that point. And, but I took it too far. Like I took it way too far because I was an everyday user. Of, like I would wake up in the morning. And, like, I'm not trying to, like, reminisce on this shit, but, like, it, it it's crazy to even think about. I was taking, like, a 30-milligram morphine extended release, 
I was taking a 15 milligram fucking Yeah, yeah. Still there? Yeah, yeah. I can still right. see and hear you. All right, cool, cool. Sorry, I just like pause the recording. Yeah, but like when I was actively using, I was using like a thirty milligram morphine extended release, fifteen milligram um, oxycodone. I was taking uh, half a milligram of Xanax. And that was just in the morning, dude, on my way to work. Like, every morning, boom, I'm driving down the road. Like, in Bowling Green, because I'm on the scenic at the time. <laughs> so, like, when I got out, I had my mom and girlfriend throw everything of mine away. Like, everything you know, I just got out the door. Like, I had them throw everything away. And my mom did not throw everything away, dude. She bagged it up and put it in her room. And, like, a month after being home from rehab, you know, I'm, I was fucking finding that shit. Like, I was definitely, like, curious, dude. Like, I was I was worried for myself, you know, like, getting out of there. Because it's, like, one wrong thought or wrong, one wrong move, and I'm back to the races. And they say that everybody's recovery is different. And, like, I was, I, I remember hearing in rehab, like, this one guy was, like, one in every ten of you guys is not going to die from your addiction. And that sheriff was, like, I'm not. Like, in front of that whole class of 30 people, I was, like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 like, I remember people's faces are just, like, everybody just, like, looked at me, and I'm, like, I'm just letting everybody know right now I'm not. Right, so, like, right. I had that mentality before I got out of there because I knew how extreme things were before I got in there and nothing changed while I was in there. Mm. Like if I didn't put in the work, like while I was in there and come out with like that mentality, there's no chance that like I would, I'd probably still be like, I I don't even know. I can't even think because I, I think I would be dead. There's chances I could still be getting high, but who the fuck knows? Right. And and that that was the mentality that I had. So, like, I was hitting, like, two meetings a day. I was going to the Serenity Center in Columbia, dude. Like, I love that place. Like, that was, like, my first home out of rehab of, like, people that I felt, like, could relate to me. Like, mm-hmm. um, there were some good people in there. Anonymity is key, of course, to, like, Right, I, I right. really do appreciate a lot of those people, but they they didn't provide what I needed, you know, in my recovery because my mm-hmm. recovery is so much different. Like six months later, I'm outside packing a bowl for my girlfriend, and I fucking hit that bitch, and I handed mm-hmm. to her. And she's like, "What the fuck did you just do?" And I'm like. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, dude, I'm fucking ready. Like, I know oh, who dude. I am now. Like, I felt like I knew who I was enough to be able to make choices like that. That was the beginning mm-hmm. of, like, being able to make choices. And, like, it's so crazy to even hear this shit right now, dude. <laughs> That's great, dude. I'm loving it. Yes. Well, yeah, and I, I had a, a very similar situation. It's like, I remember the first time I smoked... And like, um, 
I just, it was like, you know, it was like two and a half years for me. And I just, I felt like I could make decisions. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to go back to pharmaceuticals. The best thing that's ever helped me for my depression, anxiety, whatever, yep. is fucking weed. Yep. Straight up. So exactly. I, I've been on that the last fucking 10, 11 years. Yeah. You know? But Dude, no, that's how we met. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, when I had met you, I mean, you had already pretty much lost, uh, you know, a hundred pounds, you know? Yeah, no, I was still, I was still in the range of like probably 220 to 200. I was definitely floating hard. Cause I remember. Were you? Like, dude, yes, I promise. Because, like, I remember, like, feeling, like, because I think I met you, like, right before I quit smoking cigarettes, dude. And when I quit smoking cigarettes was when I finally, like, like, shredded the weight. Like, I was, I couldn't, if, if, because that's how it's always been for me. I, I gotta go from one extreme to another. Right. <laughs> or else it's not gonna be sustainable. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think you were smoking cigarettes when I met you. Um, I could be wrong, but I really don't think you smoked. Ryan, Ryan did. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I mean, but you had lost a, a fair, a good chunk, a yeah. good chunk. You definitely know, I, I definitely remember. I remember sending you a bunch of episodes, paying the fee. Yeah. Uh, hey, check this episode out. Check this episode out. This is the MFCEO yep. project. Like, it's real AF now, but you know, this other fucking shit he did before was like my shit. Yeah. And um, you know, dude, and I found him out big time. <laughs> I, yo, yeah, dude, I paid the fucking fee, bro. I yeah, paid the dude. fee. You know, I don't always post it, but I send that episodes to people. I fucking I pay the fee. Exactly. Um, before it but, was cool to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been listening <laughs> to that podcast since 2015. Like, That's so crazy. I think it was like 50 episodes in or something when, when I started listening. Yeah. Um, but I I think about, uh, I think about you know at the time, you know, especially like early in the pandemic, you know, it was like I was I tried 75 hard a few times, like. Half measures avail us nothing. Couldn't get past a week or two. Even then, were kind of questionable attempts, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, just, like, really feeling like I couldn't do it. And, like, you know, Andy talks about how if you, like, fail it a bunch of times, like, it gets in your fucking head. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I just remember, like... Uh, you you being like, yeah, I'm I'm into it. Like, let's do it. You know. Yes. Like, I don't I don't remember I exactly remember how it came about me. on the on the first like go round where we fucking did that shit. Well, I remember you telling me, and I I can't remember if it was in the middle of like doing it our first round, but it may have been at the like before we even had it like started. Like, I don't think you had tried or I had tried. And you were like, you were kind of like driven with the fact that I had mentioned it because I had heard it in a podcast and you were like, damn, this dude just started listening to him. 
and I've never even tried it. And I've been listening to him for like the last five years because I remember you mentioning that to me. Right, right. Well, and I think I had tried I think, it, but but I just felt mad that like you were motivated to do it, and like I yeah. hadn't already done it because I've been listening to him talk about it for already for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been like, I've been listening to this motherfucker forever, and. Yeah. And now Baker's, like, fucking gung-ho, ready to fucking go. Well, when I heard about it, and, like, when I saw you, like, trying it, I was thinking to myself what everybody thinks. Like, that shit ain't hard. Like, I'm, I'm so, at that point, I'm probably sober for a year and a half, maybe pushing two years. And uh, I'm like, okay, I, I can not drink for 75 days. I can take a picture every day. Um... I've never been a reader, but I mean, what the fuck? I'll try reading ten pages a day. Um, follow a diet, okay? I'll just not eat. I'll try fasting. You know, I'll eat one meal a day, and it'll be meat or something. Like, dude, I had like all these thoughts in my head. Like, as someone who hasn't done it, you know, would usually think. But then, like, when I finally decide to try, and like because we had even talked about this my first even like day of downloading the 75 hard app and trying was october 11th of 2020. yeah and, that's my sister's birthday <laughs> but yeah i like i ended up downloading it and looking at it and that was all i did at that point <laughs> I think, my first actual try was like in February of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I ended up making it 60 days. And uh, I woke up on day 60 without a progress picture. And I remember telling you because I remember that it was like, it, it, it felt like I was relapsing. Like I had to tell my yeah, dude. sponsor, dude. <laughs> Straight up, bro. The guilt is just eating you alive. Yeah. yeah. And like I I <laughs> I probably like shed it a tear that morning. Like I was definitely on a roll. And like by a roll, my workouts at that point were only running and walking, I think. Yeah. I that was like when you just ran a random marathon on like a Tuesday. Yeah, dude. Shout out to fucking the Iron Cowboy because if it wasn't for him, I was not doing that. But yeah, I ended up going. Bro, on like you were motivated by the the Iron Cowboy, dude. Yeah, like well, every day you like you see the Iron Cowboy, he made it another fucking day doing a whole a whole Iron Man. Made it another day. Did you see the way they were massaging his fucking feet? You know, it's dude, like, bro, it was like off. every day I knew I was going to get an update from Baker. I didn't even need to to watch because I knew you were going to let me know exactly what happened, you know, that yep. he, and, uh, and I know for like my first time, uh, completing, it was Jocko and Goggins. I literally would just like mm-hmm. put on one of those motherfuckers, uh, and like on a podcast, yeah, you know, I just like went through and like listened to every podcast that Goggins was on on like the Can't Hurt Me tour. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Ed Milet. You know what? Good. You know what you listen to a lot, and I still remember this to this day. It was that Jocko soundtrack. 
Oh yeah, dude. Like the uh like the the fucking Jocko like sugar-coated like lies, audiobook sugar coated lies. It's like get up. Get up right now. Don't yeah. think about it. Don't hit snooze. Wake up. Get up now with a sense of urgency. And you're <laughs> yeah. like you're like, yes. Okay. Sure. I'm on it. Got it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, I did fucking listen to those. I remember that. Damn, I forgot about like, that. That's a, a valuable asset, bro. Yeah. And like that was all in the beginning. Like that was the motivation was like shit like that. And you know, a lot of these people were affiliated together, so it was good. Because, like, I think that was the beginning of these people really, like, popping off, too. And, like, creating well, the momentum that they did. Yeah, for Goggins, like, definitely, like, his Rogan episode, uh, you know, Ed Milet, like, he was on, he went through and hit, like, all of the podcast circuit telling his story. Um, But, like, f- for the second book, he only, he only did Rogan. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he did that one other guys to like talk shit on Dan Crenshaw and some other people. Uh, Dude, that was well, awesome. Uh, but that wasn't like for like the book tour. I really don't think he did very many at all because I know he said he hates that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, he said he likes to come out, you know, do a podcast or two, and then go back into the fucking murder house, basically. Yeah, because <laughs> that that's where he that's where he lives, dude, and like. But that's that's an interesting part is that I think I was coming in at a good part in my like fitness journey and like finding the lifestyle that I did because a lot of these people were like coming out and you know like being the motivation that a lot of people like me needed. Um, yeah, me too. Like when you can't find that shit inside, like it 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 could it. Like, we don't like social media, but at the same time, like, when these dudes come up on a fucking video when you're scrolling reels and they're like, get up off your fat fucking lazy ass and get up there and get it. Hang on. Like, yeah. dude, you want to go fucking run some miles. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, bro. Like, when a fucking Goggins running video pops up and he fucking talks some shit and in one, yeah. in literally 60 seconds, drops a fucking bomb on your day it's like oh i'm fired up like let me go put my shoes on while i'm feeling juiced yeah you know like dude always at the right time i'll get a fucking the the chatter i will never quit yeah it is my duty to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my opponents Mm -hmm. you know like i just when that shit pops up dude it's like you know, I mean, there's so many times where it's like you just don't. So many days where it's like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm fucking over it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you've yep. got to get that second workout in, and it's like you got to fit find some way to push through it. Like I'll put one of those motherfuckers on mm-hmm. and listen to them fucking get me fired up. You know, cool. Because like, yep. Yep. honestly, yep. my hard head needs like somebody yelling at me to fucking get my ass in gear you know yep dude both of us like when we ran that marathon the other day like you were fucking screaming at me dude if it wasn't for that shit sometimes it's like i don't think i'd make it through that i'd be talking to myself the whole time oh dude well i had to because you were i mean you didn't know it but like dude me running right behind you just kept me like focused i just am looking at your legs the whole time i'm like 
just looking at your feet popping up left, right, left, right, left, right. You know, and it's like, it just helped me like stay in point. I, you know, I was still like super hype from the rop and I'm like, oh, let me just get in formation real quick and fucking yep. follow right behind him. Then I don't have to think about other shit. I can just get into like my zone. I mean that, you know, I mean, dude, that was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we definitely smoked a lot of weed on that half marathon. Um, oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> you know, so like I'm okay with, uh, with the splits, but. Yeah, I definitely want uh, want to get back after it again. Yeah, do like an official one. That way we got it fucking stamped. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty good. I like, I just like think about that one we did in the mm-hmm. fucking woods with my non-trail, not realizing it was a trail run and I had like fucking street shoes. I'm like, what the yep. fuck is fucking idiot? And like, I don't know how I ran like 10 minute miles because that, you know. That shit pops up. I'm like, damn, I fucking ran this 10K fucking 10 minute miles. Like, even today, yep. they were 11 minutes, you know? Well, I guess because we didn't fucking have a smoke walk. That's why it was that yeah. that way. Yeah. I need to, like, just run a 10K and not smoke so I can yeah. see where I'm at with it. At least we show up a little bit more prepared now than we did. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. That turned into a 10K. Oh yeah, you're like, hey, if you need, if you need to call people, don't worry about it. You're like, no, 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 we'll just do the ten k. <laughs> yeah, straight up, dude. I was looking I'm for an excuse, bro. Smoking weed. And and so like, dude, when people ask, why do you fucking keep doing seventy five hard? That's why. Because even yep. after fucking doing the shit, that shit can uh can creep back in. You know, oh, that little time. bitch mindset, like, yep. you know, so what if it would have taken fucking all day? The problem is that I wanted to go do jujitsu. That was what, that's the problem. <laughs> I wanted to do jujitsu and I knew I was unprepared Dude. and I was going to fucking cause myself some pain, you know? Yeah. And we ended up going to open mat fucking right after. Yeah. We had no choice, dude. We had to. Mm-hmm. That's you know. the thing is like. As much as we're, like, talking about my journey, like, we have to talk about how crucial, like, you coming into, like, my journey was and, like, where you came in at. Because you came in, like, solely it was based off of our relationship with weed. Like, anybody anybody who's probably listening to this podcast knows what the fuck's up. And so, like, I remember coming down to the city um, and getting weed off of you often at that point and when you were getting in my car like no i'm not even throwing any shade on you like i remember you smelling like alcohol all the time and, mm, like this yeah. is just to show your part of your journey and like i'm yeah. coming down and i'm like getting weed like we're building our relationship and you show me andy Priscilla, and you show me like all this and like it gets my journey started and, like, I remember in the beginning we started meeting up, going on walks, because you are doing 75 hard. I wasn't even close to starting or, like, getting serious about my right. fitness journey. And like, I was I'm still, like, down... half in on it at that point. But, yeah, yeah, because you're right. Yeah. I was drinking a lot, like, all those little fruity beers and shit and a bunch of IPAs. Yeah. Had, like, a beer and... gut. I was up to, like, 200 pounds. And, yeah. And... 
yeah and like you're 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 like i think your work yeah because i was meeting you down at the shop and then you're going on walks and like i would join you for a walk like i'm not even prepared it's like you're just throwing me in the fire it's like i fuck with this guy yeah (laughs) it's like this is badass like i just show up and like he he's doing business but at the same time he's like i need to get my shit done you want to come with if not you got dick because i'm going yeah i remember walking down 21st and like that was the beginning of the fucking journey dude yeah i mean it you know that was like why we became such good friends is because like you were willing to insert yourself in the things that I had going on at the time. And you were like, you know, not only were you supportive of some of the the work I was doing at the time, but you were also like, you were like, Oh shit, this guy's doing shit. And like talking about shit that like, I'm not even on that way. I haven't even thought about things from that perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, we, we definitely connected, you know, early on based on kind of some of the, the similar story of like going through the addiction struggles and um, you know, and like, so like I always, anytime somebody busts down that barrier with me, you know, it's like, that's a, that's another level that like we're automatically connected. Cool. We're like, we're tight, you know? So exactly. And the shit I was like trying to talk about and like think about and, and needed somebody else like, you know, to be with me on that shit. You were like, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I remember, like, people trying to, like, talk shit on you. And I was, like, I, I like, hanging out with you and, like, being around you and, like, building the relationship that we have over time. It's, like, even in the beginning, it was, like, I don't see what you guys are talking about. And, like, I know that's always been a part of your journey. Is like, people always want to hate, dude. Of course they're going to hate. When they're, you're out here fucking stunting on them and you're out here doing this shit, and they're fucking, you know, just not being the best them that they can be, of course they're going to say some shit. And, like, right then and there, when I realized that people are saying some shit and I'm hanging out with you on the regular and I'm like, dude, they're, you guys are full of it. Like, I've I've never seen that. Right, and that's, uh, you know, it's like people don't see, like, they just see some of the shit talking on the internet, you know? Yep. They see them yep. fucking around. Not realizing that for me, like, I've been on social media for long enough to, like, remember when that shit was fun. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. just about business and building a brand or whatever. It's, like, my brand is that I like to fucking have fun. You know, my brand is that, like, I I want to enjoy my life because there's a lot of fucking days. And especially at that point, it was, like, Mm -hmm. I was going through a lot of lows. You know, I... I mean, not that I was, like, close to shooting dope, but, like, the way that I felt, like, I felt so trapped, so alone, isolated, mm-hmm. you know, and you offered me a very valuable friendship at that point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it was, like, you being willing to fucking come along just for a fucking walk, mm-hmm. that meant a lot because, like, there was, you know, I had weird shit going on with business relationships. I had fucking, you know, my relationship with my kid's mom was fucking on the rocks to say the least, you know I mean? Shit. Mm-hmm. At, at one point when, you know, you and I had first started hanging out, I don't think she was around. And that's definitely when I was drinking yeah. a lot, yep. you know, and, yep. um, those fucking fruity ass beers have mad calories. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but dude, you were still I, like, 
I don't even mind mentioning this shit because you're so real on your podcast that everybody knows because you mentioned this shit. But like, you had had that car stolen or the truck, and oh, you were yeah. on foot. So granted, like, oh yeah. Dude, I was walking to the shop five miles from my house in the snow, in the fucking rain. Fucking, I was like, dude, oh yeah, that was like, and that was when I was like full on, you know, if I wasn't on the bike, I was on foot, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. dude, those, uh, when I was driving down to DC and I was on my motorcycle and it was like January, February, and I'm like layered the fuck Mm -hmm. up. I'm like, damn, now I understand why Canadian motorcycle gangs are so angry riding in the fucking cold dude like yo when that shit is that shit gets in your bones on a bike bro and it just like it's like like i had to put into practice all the breathing techniques that i i could Mm -hmm. possibly could to like try and stay warm like that was yeah that was tough and then um you know like if i wasn't you know there's fucking snow on the ground and i'm not riding the bike like you know i'm fucking on foot like I yeah. was on foot a lot. I remember you know? that, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like people don't see that shit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. people don't see the fact that I had no car and you know two hungry kids and a pregnant baby mom who was fucking mad and you know mm-hmm. like fucking business that was up and down and you know shit, as soon yeah. as some shit good would happen and fucking you know take four steps back, two steps forward, four steps back. Yeah, you know, and uh, I was definitely in in some rough mental places, and you know, it just was like when that shit fucking happened at the grocery store in May on my clean date. I was like, it's time to get serious, do seventy five hard. I can't do the like the gym. I've tried seventy five hard a fucking bunch of times and keep failing after a very short period of time. I need to fucking I need to like get back into jiu-jitsu or like i wanted to do stand-up i was doing more stand-up in the beginning that's what it was i was like i will fucking need to just be able to rock these motherfuckers with a head kick yeah. real quick Did and you do uh stand up at conquest first yeah technical difficulties we're recording can you hear me Baker. <laughs> so yeah, you started with stand up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you fucking remember what we were talking about. Yeah, I was like trying to remember. Um, yeah, started with stand up. Um you know, that's like really where kinda of, you know, like I did jujitsu a little bit back in the day. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but it was mostly because I wanted to fight and I knew you needed to know it like to progress to the UFC and, uh, um, but you know, so I was like a no gi guy. Okay. You know, that was like really where my experience lied. I never trained in a gi. Yeah. So I went and, uh, somebody was like, it was like, Matt was teaching D path. Mm-hmm. And I just was lost. Um, and so I got a gi. Like, I found out Conquest would give you a gi. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me a gi. I went to one of VJ's classes. And again, lost. 
I felt so lost. So I said, all right, next class I go to, I'm going to fundamentals. And so like I would go to the striking class and yep. then stay for the jiu-jitsu class, you know? And so I started doing Gennaro's fundamentals, yep. um, you know, learning how to fucking survive uh, a hellacious beating from these violent animals downstairs, yep. you know, in the safe comfort of Gennaro's class. And, yep. um, but then like, you know, I started really fucking getting into it and, uh, I was like, I don't want to box these motherfuckers. I want to take them to the ground and fucking put them to sleep. Yep. You know, so um, obviously I fucking got obsessive, used that addictive mentality that has caused me much detriment in my life uh, yep. towards something positive. And now I'm like really good at strangling people. I mean, relatively speaking to the general pe population. Yep. You're yeah. you're above the top one percent for sure. Oh, I mean a fucking little seventeen-year-old competition blue belt fucked me up, but but Joe Schmo on the street, <sighs> fucking some cop, hell no. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know that was like uh, really kind of what what kicked me into gear because. That was like a guarantee. Like I didn't have to lift weights. Uh, mm -hmm. I could just, I could do a workout that I like really enjoyed that. I felt like I really pushed myself beyond my comfort zone. And mm -hmm. I mean, you just, I mean, you know, uh, as a recent blue belt, um, you know, for throughout white belt, you're taking a lot of beatings, dude. Dude. Yeah. Well, my you first beating was with you. At, oh at yeah. Conquest. Dude. Trial class for the Traeger, dude. Yeah, man. And fucking tell him about tell him about that fucking trial class. All right, I was doing spider guard. Uh, and we were all doing spider guard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I how think ridiculous I was is that as your first class? Looking back, I had no clue what the fuck was going on. I was like, "What? These dudes are holding sleeves? Like this ain't realistic. What the fuck is that?" right right like in my mind that's what i was thinking and uh i think i was rolling with mikey's dad i can't remember his name but ted. brown belt hey yep. yo big ted is a long time friend of lord mm -hmm. bong tomorrow he used to come see me in dc bro oh dude that is so dope that is yo awesome. I, I went uh, to when mikey was a brown belt too he did like mm -hmm. a little bolo seminar at the gym on a Sunday and I'm sitting back there fucking reeking a weed and talking to this like old head purple belt who's all fucking grows weed and uh big Ted fucking said, what's up? Like looked over at me, gave me a head nod. He was like right in front of me. He was like, what's up Lord Bongtimore? <laughs> no, and I said, cause at this point, like I just smelled like weed, but like they didn't know my life, you know? So I'm yep. like, what are you talking about? How do you know that? He was like, I used to come see you in D.C. above the barbershop. I was like, my fucking man. Dude, you know? Wild. Dude, I felt like I was right at home. I was like, all right, yes. my man's fucking good. And then that was like, shortly after that is when I started taking privates with Mikey and, you know, fucking him. Uh, his mm -hmm. little Padawan, as uh, Carlos says. Becoming serious, dude. 
because like once you start training with him, like y'all guys, you guys move. That kid turned my game up. Yeah, I I don't mean to be like uh, talking about the gym so much, but your guys' gym is different. It's It's different, different, bro. I mean, I train at at multiple gyms, and that one is definitely one where I mean, there's and even like people that train there and have trained there for a long time, they say they don't even go that hard anymore. Like, I'm like, really? Because some of these other gyms I train at, it's not quite there. And I don't want to talk shit because I love, I love the my my home base up here. You know, Um, it's very valuable. I have a lot of great training partners. I have some great roles tonight. Not gonna lie, but. Uh, there's just something about conquest and you know it's home. That's that's home. For sure. And yeah, so like that first trial class, dude, I was getting my ass whooped. And I remember standing up after my I think it was like my second or third role. It was with that black belt. Black belt took, Randy. Dude, he took the He's fuck not out nice, of me. bro. <laughs> no. Because you were like, like, that was my first class. He's like, Good. <laughs> yep. He like, he, he scoped me up and down, bro. Like he was foaming at the mouth, like, now that I think about it, and, like... Oh, he's definitely on the dirty. spectrum. His gi was dirty. Like, I should have known. Like, I, I, I had no clue. Like, I didn't right. know anything about jiu-jitsu. Like, usually, if they're good jiu-jitsu, they got some type of stain or, like, blood on their gi or something. And, like, right, I didn't right. shit. Right. And I was new, but he choked the shit out of me, and then... I remember rolling with Justin, and he laid on me, dude, and I couldn't <laughs> breathe. For dude, Justin, for anybody who doesn't know, is over fucking three hundred pounds of big behemoth that has practically zero technique. It's okay; he's never gonna listen to this. Has practically zero yeah. technique and is just three hundred pounds. Last time I rolled with him, which I I almost always <laughs> refused to roll with him, but it was at Gennaro's fucking class, literally. And you already know, Friday night's in the swamp. It's 10-minute rolls, bro. 10-minute rolls. And I've ducked and dodged rolling with fucking Justin's big, goofy, fat ass for fucking... For months. Months. And literally, I'll be in class, Mikey's class, and he'd be like, Ellie, you want to roll? And I'd be like, Justin, no. I'm not rolling with you. He'd be like, are you scared? I'm like, yes. For my body to fucking still be functional. Every time people roll with you, you hurt them, you big baby Huey fucking bastard. There's a Justin-shaped hole in the wall. He doesn't even come through the door. He comes through a Justin-shaped hole in the wall. And I'm supposed to roll with this 300-pounder? He's like almost two me's. I'll tell you what, though. The last time I rolled with him in Gennaro's class, I fucking put that roll with me shit to fucking bed when I put him in a crucifix and held him in a crucifix for upwards of seven minutes. Oh, you know? fuck. <laughs> I mean, I was, like, attacking and shit, but ultimately, like, I really was just trying to hold him there because if I tapped him, then I would have to do this all over again and get him in that position. So I just held him in the position yeah. and kept fake attacking different things to try to, like, just, like, tire him. I mean, he was already tired. Yeah. He moved. And he's not rolling out of a crucifix. No, I mean, you know, I I had that joint in. I was fucking good. Um, But yeah, after rolling with Justin and Randy and Big Ted, fucking me and Mikey, my man had to let the demons out. Dude, like, and I threw up one time in the trash can. No, no, I threw up one time. I went outside and, like, I was hiding around the corner from everybody. And I ended up, like, throwing up. 
and that was after Randy choked the shit out of me. And then I rolled with right. Justin. And Justin just laid on me, dude. And I could not breathe. Like, yeah. I don't consider myself a claustrophobic person. But oh, that shit will fucking... Every time you breathe in, that was the first time I realized, like, what pressure is. And, like, right. that's a different type of pressure. Because, like, even dudes our size, like, you definitely, you put the pressure on. But That ain't like, a 300-pound dude put the pressure on. Yeah. With, like, no hands or, like, legs yeah. on the ground. Just, like, floating on Water you. Water bedding you on in, you. Yeah, every time you breathe in, it's like... <laughs> and so, I think I was, like, two minutes into the roll, stood up, went over that trash can, just threw up. And that was when Ted looked over and he's like, that's all right. You're just letting your demons out. And I was like, like, just like, you're like mid throwing up, like, like dripping. And I'm just like, what the fuck did that guy just say? Where am I at? Like, yeah, I fit, <laughs> I fit in. I fit in. I was like, I yeah. like this. Yeah, dude, he used the right verbiage for you to say, I'm, I'm fucking getting back in on the mat, dude. Yep. I gotta you know, do it again. Like, I gotta see how these guys do this because, like, let's be real. A lot of us know that some of those dudes on the mats that are the most violent, they don't look it. Dude, and I just, I think about it, and it was like, we talked about it, and you're like, I don't know if I can afford right now to go to, a, to, to pay for a jiu-jitsu gym membership. Yeah. And I had just read, like, Way of the Warrior Kid, one of the Jocko books, where, like, one of the kids is like fucking poor and can't afford to pay for jujitsu. So like yep. he fucking, you know, uncle Jake, the Navy seal and Mark, <laughs> uh, pay for his membership and he cleans the gym to like earn it, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, I just was like, Hey, why don't you see if you're like, there's one near me that says they do jujitsu. I was like, see if you can yep. like clean the gym or something. And dude, that's been like the most perfect thing for you. Like, he was, yeah, like, was. yeah, in desperate need of somebody to do just that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, like, that's and you the clean that motherfucker, too. I do. Like, but seriously, you planted that seed, and, like, a month later, like, after sitting on it, I finally was on, like, a four-mile run, ran straight up there. It was after work. Like, I was definitely going through some shit like that was cookie jar season for me like that right that's what i should call it cookie jar season but so like i ran up there went in and uh i introduced myself to coach john and he was like so uh you ever done any jujitsu any type of grappling wrestling i was like nope all right sign <laughs> this waiver he's like uh you want to start tonight we got a class at uh 7 and i think it was like 6 48 and i was like all right so I stood outside and like chilled for a little bit and uh he gave me like a I can't remember if he gave me a full yeah, he gave me a full gi. It was one of his. And he was mm -hmm. like he was he was a bigger guy at the time, so like my gi did not fit. The belt was like huge, like I could have wrapped it around me like four times probably. And uh I did jujitsu that night and I walked my happy ass all the way the fuck home with a fucking gi and a belt, dude. Like, and I, I still have the picture I think I sent you. Like, I'm, like, in the mm -hmm. white. I'm, like, look, dude, fucking did it. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and and here you are, fucking, like, a, a, a staple at that gym, a fucking yeah. blue belt, you know, and, uh, and like, really, it's crazy because I, I think about 
just in that time frame, it's like for the last two years, it's just been how much time have we spent doing the Live Hard program, you know, and even even not like officially on it, just like still mm-hmm. two workouts a day, fucking, you know, yeah. it's like it may not all be outside, you know, but yeah. that extra shit, you know, it just keeps the, keeps the discipline, adds up. Yeah, it accumulates. Like, people think they got to make these big changes. Like, you got to flip your diet. You got to, you know, start working out all the time. You got to wake up at 4.30 before work all the time. And, like, that's not the truth. Like, it's baby steps. Like, a lot of people have seen, like, that I've been in my phases of getting up at 4.30 in the morning and being after it and getting after it. And there's phases where I struggle to even put the feet to the ground. Right. And, like... There are baby steps to it. Like, I had to quit smoking cigarettes to even get to where I was able to be physically active enough to put in the work to lose weight or to, you know, get to, like, where I want to be. And if you keep, like, trying to, like, put unrealistic expectations on how things are going to go, then you're going to end up in the same spot all the time. Because that's what I've always done. And so right. like, I finally decided, you know, enough's enough. Well, yeah, and I I think, um, you know, when when you stay on it, I mean, it's just like the more you do it, the more it just kind of becomes ingrained in you. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it's like, I mean, you brought up how much I was drinking. And it's like, I wasn't even getting drunk because those beers don't mm-hmm. even get you drunk. No. Uh, but no, it's just no. a bunch of bullshit calories. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, you you realize like, oh, fuck, I'm in these like habits where my diet is way out of whack. The food I'm eating is way out of whack. Like, I'm not feeling good. And I'm even though I'm not like mad heavy or anything, I'm still very out mm-hmm. of shape. And and the Ravens were going to the Super Bowl that year too, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was a lot of shit but, happening, dude. You know, but it's like, and that's another thing, dude. Speaking of, it's a Sunday night. I didn't fucking, I didn't sit around watching football, giving it a bunch of energy, drinking fucking beer, you know. And if I dude. do that this season at any point, guess what? It'll be all right because I fucking, um, Earn you know, shit. yeah. But honestly, I don't even give a fuck about watching football when I can go get after it. Yep. You know, and I that, can put in an equivalent amount of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I trained for two way. hours today at jiu-jitsu and fucking hit a little 5K. <laughs> you know, it's like we fucking get after it. You know, Absolutely. and it's like that's – I mean, I, what I one of the things I think about too – is like you were struggling with like diet. It's like okay, we literally went to the grocery store and I helped Dude. you like reevaluate Dude. the way you shop for food and think about Dude. food. And like that's going back to like how people would like try and talk shit. Like you can't talk shit on that. You <laughs> you can't talk shit on that, dude. Like the fact that you're not only telling me this stuff on the phone but you are being a great human and like 
meeting me at the grocery store, going in with me, showing me like how you do stuff, like showing me what you're looking at, why you're getting it, how you make it, like what types of meals you can make with different proteins. Like, cause obviously like my narrow minded ass is thinking, oh, I got to make like one meal of like, like some type of like pasta with sauce with meat all mixed together. Whereas like we've, you've kind of shown me that like you can cook a protein and then you can make this throughout the week and like make different types of meals with it. And then like showing me like Greek yogurt, like that's been a game changer for me. Like it was something See, that that's I an easy protein saw. hack easy, and good dude. gut health. Yes. And like now they got all the, the new, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I always like make myself look stupid. You know how to be. <laughs> Oikos? Oikos. Oikos, yeah. but You were close. Like, I was close. Yeah. <laughs> dude, they got the, the Oikos Pro now? Yes. Game changer. Like, dude, 20 to 23 grams of protein, depending on if you get like the vanilla or the plain. And if I get mm-hmm. the plain, you already know how I dress it up anyway with the, the peanut butter powder and like a little protein powder. Yeah. You get, dude, it's fucking baller. Sometimes if I'm like re- being real fancy, I'll mix a little whipped cream, like Cool Whip in there. Mm-hmm. That's the fucking move. Throw a little Cool that Whip. Is, just add, adds a, a little, little different texture, you know? Yeah. Oh, like a whip. Okay. I, I, I get what you're putting down. Yeah, dude. So it's like, uh, and. I mean, dude, you can get fat-free Cool Whip, sugar-free Cool Whip. You can get, like, fucking light Cool Whip. It's already, like, not many calories, you know? It's, mm-hmm. like, something that I don't – I don't feel like you're cheating because it's still, like, mad healthy. Yeah. So my ratio is phenomenal right now of protein to everything else. Yeah. And, you like, know? it's amazing, like, all the sugar-free stuff that they've come out with. Like, granted, like, a lot of it is – can be like processed yeah. sugars, like yeah, things yeah. like that, whatever. But when it, when you're taking someone like me who is a, I'm gonna say is still an extreme binge eater because I will easily fucking crush some gummies, like whatever, because that's who I am at heart. Like right. just because I make a lifestyle change doesn't mean that that change is, you know. It doesn't mean that I can still, you know, stray from the path because it's easy for me, dude. Right, um, right. But, like, it's easy for me to do things like that, eat gummies, and uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, you were just talking about, uh, we were talking about the the way that we eat, uh, looking at food differently, uh, sugar-free shit being, like, you know, there's a lot of, there could be a lot of processed shit in there. Um, mm-hmm. and that's when you switched over to like, oh, yeah. you know, I think the the thought process was probably something along the lines of, um, you know, having some sugar-free options is something that like helps you stick to the shit that you got going on, you know, yeah, and that's and, not the end of the world. Right. Right. Whereas, like, if if it's something with a shit ton of sugar and, like, my body loves to store that stuff and then it's easily showing, you know, when I'm looking in the mirror. Yeah, dude. Like, that's a huge habit crusher. When you're not seeing, like, once you've reached a certain point, I feel like if you're not seeing the results that you want, 
when when I'm not seeing the results that I want in the mirror, it's a habit crusher. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and think about. I mean, that's a another valid point, and and in regards to how seventy five hard and and that the program can kind of like it changes certain things because how many times is like you fail 75 hard and then it's like, okay, cool. I'm right back on the path tomorrow or in a, a mm-hmm. matter of a couple of days. Whereas something you get knocked off the horse in some way or another, you're just like right back completely into the old life, balls to the wall, right? Like you never left, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, to the races, dude. yeah. So it's, yeah. it's like just something that turns into like, okay, so what? I fucking got distracted and fell off my goal. Let me fucking, why did that happen? Okay, cool. This is why that happened. Let me fucking make sure that I don't react this way in the next fucking time. You know, something like this pops up. And you keep moving. You don't beat yourself up. You don't fucking just fall right back into self-pity mode or victim mode or, you know, like fucking poor me mode. Like I have to, I just fucking, it's like, okay, cool. Just get back on the horse. Yeah. You know, that's, that's like, if, if somebody I feel like were to, that's why it's important to relate the 12 step program and 75 hard together, which you do all the time. And like, yeah. when I first started out, like you put it into a great perspective because I mean, if you're say, if somebody does relapse when they're in the 12 step program, at least they have that program that when they relapse, hopefully they know as soon as they do before they go out and get loaded again, they can go back into those rooms and those people will be forgiving and comforting and like help them get back on the path. Yeah. Right. And like 75 hard where it's like you get going and like when I failed and I told you, you were forgiving and like you (laughs) you helped me like get through that shit because inside like I felt like I failed myself. Right. And like right. at the end of the day And that's a very similar feeling to like relapsing. I mean you yeah, were you said it earlier. Imagine. You know, um like that's a, a, a similar feel like I what I imagine relapsing to be like in mm-hmm. regards to like if I were to fucking go do dope, right? It's like you feel like you fail. Yeah. But it's like Absolutely. you know when you kinda go through all these things and you really build a bomb with somebody, it's like, dude, I mean, you're somebody that I I bring around my kids, like, to my house. Yeah. I don't do that yeah. with everybody, right? I have family but, dinners, like, for real. Yeah, 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 straight up. You know, and it's because, like, we put in so much work together to, like, get better. It's just, like, constantly on the grind, constantly trying to, like, push each other and, uh, and find a way to get through shit. And you know, as a result, you have become such a leader in, in your like realm and friend mm-hmm. group and at work and in all aspects of your life. I mean, yeah. one thing I don't think you really touched on is how every time you're doing 75 hard and people, people always make excuses, right? Yep. I don't have time yep. to do two workouts. One has to be outside I mean, yo, I think about that one dude who made it five days in, bro. Right, <laughs> dude. Five days in, and it was like, yeah, I get it. I'm yeah, not going to do this program. Guy. I'm not going to do this program. I get it. 
And it's like, yep. yo, I remember fucking being mind boggled when he was like, yeah, you got to do a second workout outside. I was going to do I'm that. Gonna se- work on my business. I was going to use that, that second 45 minutes to work on my business. What do you mean? What do you mean? No, the program is you do two workouts. One of them is outside. They both had to be 45 minutes. They can't be within a couple hours of each other and fucking, mm-hmm. you know, the, the other shit, right? It's not yeah. like you do one workout and then substitute the other workout for working on your business. It's like, no, you do all mm-hmm. the 75 hard shit, but then you also live the rest of your life, right? Like you yeah. still have to live your life. Like you, you do what you have to do to complete mm-hmm. your 75 hard tasks, but then you also yep. have to complete your life tasks. Yeah. And like one thing I, you didn't really mention that like a lot of people don't think about is how you manage your time. And like, I used to do this shit in when I worked in retail, you know, and uh, when you were doing it, it fucking, you know, brought me right back to it. And I always think about, I mean, for me, it wasn't working out, but it was reading, right? Mm -hmm. I would go to my car, I would bring my lunch, heat that shit up in the microwave, like before I officially clocked out for break, you know, uh, fucking as soon as that shit was done heating up, clocked out, run to my car, fucking... Gulp down whatever food I brought, reading yeah. my fucking book on on trading, <laughs> fucking smoke a J real quick, smoke a cig, and then I was back in there, you yep. know, in time to fucking, you know, in 45 minutes. I had this yep. shit timed, you know, and, um, and so I always think about you, and it's like, you do the same thing. Get your lunch, fucking, like, you'll go the second you clock out for break, throw that fucking weight vest on. Go hike the trails for 45 minutes, fucking come back, scarf down your food that last 15, get a smoke Mm -hmm. in, whatever you need to do, and then boom, it's back on the clock. And everybody, while they were all just sitting around, right, they saw you out there hustling, fucking working the trails. And some of them have joined me, dude, honestly, like, it's been an amazing, like, it's been such, like, a crazy thing to, like, witness, to be real. Dude... And like you think about the way that um, that these guys are, right, and have been throughout the years that you've been at this job, oh, yeah. and how drastic of a change it is for them to be out there skipping their lunch break, yep. you know, um, so they can come out there and, and enjoy the trails with you. Dude, and like, to be honest, I, I never used to do that because I was waking up at 5 a.m. getting in my first workout in, like. It was like a no options mentality. Like, no, I was waking up at like 4.30 getting that 5 a.m. workout. When I, you know, started to phase that out because, like, let's be real. It's hard to wake up that fucking early. And that's some, like, that's me in my fucking bitch voice right now. Right, right. (laughs) Like, we all know how that is if we've ever woken up that early to train. Well, and and you also. uh, Go ahead, go ahead. But, like. I saw my boss, she would walk on the lunch break. And then when I finally got the 20-pound weight vest, because I saw you out there with the weight vest all the time, I was like, you know, I'm going to, you know, just throw my weight vest on and hike the trails at the park that I, you know, help manage and run. Like, fuck that. Like, if I'm going to be here all day, I'm going to at least, you know, enjoy the fruits of my labor. Right. So I started you know, putting my weight vest on and walking because I saw my boss doing that. She, like, lost 
two siblings during COVID. So like she was scared to death and she was like, you know, upping her exercise because she knew I was running and doing jujitsu. So we kind of like helped each other in that sense. Um, and then, yeah, when people saw me starting to, you know, hike the trails and stuff, they're like, hey, can I join you? I'm like, can you keep up? That's right, baby. That's <laughs> fucking I'm not right. Slowing down. That's what it is. Like, right, we, right. We set standards for ourselves, and right at the end of the day, you know, we're gonna help carry the boat. Right, right. We're gonna fucking make sure everybody keeps up with us. Right, and like that, right. that that's that's the type of mentality like that it takes, you know. So, um, it's been fun to see like the other guy who's in the same position as me, you know, he's joined me once or twice. It's a shame that they don't like keep doing it. And, you know, it's funny because we hear people complain like, Oh, I, I got, I got this. Like, I wish I was in shape. And it's like, you see me every day, you know, like <laughs> I may, I may not be where I want to be, but I mean, to like the general I mean, bro, but think, think about the last couple of years and where you were. I mean, you know, you were still over 200 pounds when, when I met you. Now yeah. you're at 163. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that's a result of, yeah, you might have stopped going at 5 a.m., but you were still in there after work. Yep, all the time. You know, all so like, time. yeah. Gym and with, then gym and then jujitsu. <laughs> you know, and still had the weight vest walk during lunch. Yep. I used to get so yeah. mad when I talked to you at like one o'clock in the afternoon and you already have both workouts done, already almost done a gallon. Like, dude, I it kept me on my shit. It's like Good. fucking baker, dude. And like yeah. that's the thing is like once you're like kind of in like that type of place with somebody, like when, when we're checking on each other and like we're like trying to keep each other accountable, like we know that if I'm having a bad day, then you're going to fucking, in some sense, you know, motivate me, whether that's some shit, like, you're out doing your workout before me, or you're calling me, and you're like, hey, you up, are you on your shit, like, what's going on, like, what right. you got planned today, like, that shit's real, and, like, I wanted to mention this earlier, we listen to, like, Jocko and Goggins and stuff, and they're always talking about that brotherhood in the military, and even though we weren't in the military, like, we're we're out here, you know, checking on our brothers. Like you're calling me every single day. Like I am not good at that shit at all, dude. When sometimes I get in my head, that phone's a brick. Like we talk about that in the beginning of recovery, but like that shit's real all the time. And like, but like David Goggins and Jocko, like talking about the brotherhood and like us practicing that stuff. Like all that stuff leads up to like small wins. Yeah. Straight up, dude. I mean, that's a, a great way to put it. I mean, it's it's really a testament to not only our friendship, right, but like the belief in like what men are supposed to do and the type of example that we want to set for the people around us, you know, rising tide raises mm -hmm. all ships, yeah. right? So like you, I mean, and we didn't really touch on it much and I don't really care to get a whole lot into COVID, but like, you know, it, it does need to be said that like- Let's talk about it, bro. You know, it's like, um, we can fucking get into it. That's a whole nother episode, you know, like, but I think what's, uh, I'm actually, I know, um, underneath here, I have the shirt on that you got me my, 
Ian Smith. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Uh, beware of the alpha variant. You might grow some fucking balls. Um, you know, it's like at a time where literally every person you worked with was wearing a mask, even outside like fucking idiots, right? You refused to do it. Dude, and you refused to do it. My man worked at a government position refusing to wear a mask. He'd tell him, hey, you know, if you need to meet with me, HR, that's fine. We can meet outside if you're more comfortable with that. Oh yeah, and they did twice, and they did, (laughs) you know. And my man didn't wear a mask at all, right? And I remember having conversations with you, like you know, where you had a lot of doubts and you were unsure, you know, and of like how, like you were up for, you were trying to get a promotion and at the same time be civilly disobedient, and like it was really, in my belief. That the fact that you you stood for yourself and your beliefs and and truly held to your values, right, yep. and spoke spoke the truth even when your oh, voice sure, was trembling, you know, like that's why you got that fucking promotion. Absolutely, because, because you really showed who you were in a tough situation, and you weren't going to fold under pressure. Yeah. You know, I remember my boss calling me and he's like begging me. He's like, Hey, when you get back from this meeting, can you please just put a mask on? And I'm like, I cannot do that. (laughs) I I don't care how bad you want me to wear that fucking thing. I am not putting it on and coming in in front of all of those grown ass men because they need to see what some balls hanging actually looks like, dude. That's right, dude. That's right. I walked straight into that office and I walked straight into my big boss's office and I was like, Hey, can we have a talk? And he's like, sure. I shut that door and I was like, listen, I was like, I understand you guys got to do your job and tell me what to do. I was like, but this is something that you do not want to fight. I do not want to fight. So can we just, you know, leave not where it lays on the table. And I mean, it's like, (laughs) think about all the people that you worked with that were like, Baker, come on, man. You got to fall in line, Baker. Uh-huh. You know? And, Stood up and, and walked out of meetings because of that game. Like, I'm not proud of that, dude. That's not how I want to react to something. No. But, like, when it comes down to it, dude, you know, you held your fucking ground. And Isn't we it? watched throughout that whole time how many people just fucking just do it. You yep. know? Just blindly follow along. Yeah, it was sad, right? Mm-hmm. We were we were lied to. People were lied to. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of us were were actively trying to search for the truth. Other people, yeah. right? It's like, like thank God I was in a position that I was in at the time uh, mm-hmm. to be able to spend that time, right? Because there's the majority of people, right? They're busy figuring out how to live. They're at their job, fucking eight, ten, twelve hours a day or more. Yeah. You know, they People don't have, you don't, who has time or energy to fucking look through a hundred fucking websites, look at who's writing the fucking shit, look who's paying for the shit, look, connecting mm-hmm. fucking shit together, right? Somebody like me, that's mm-hmm. who had the time, yeah. you know? And, uh, I mean, it was frustrating when you had people fucking just trying to talk shit or like fucking be like, if you're listening to people telling you to go outside right now, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, and I'm it's like, like standing there with my camera outside. I'm like smiling. Oh, dude! Like the shit, seeing the playgrounds with the fucking swings chained together, and like dude. shit over top of the jungle gyms, like you know, yeah, netting over the. 
dude, I had to like go there and and cut shit open, you know, like free the kids. I mean, I'll never forget, bro. Dude, like early, fairly early on, uh, being at the the fucking playground at the school near where we were living at with Charlie mm-hmm. and Riv, and they were little, and uh, like, you know, they're small. Mm-hmm. And I remember this, uh, you know, this husband and wife uh, couple wearing masks had like a mask on their little fucking kid, mm-hmm. and you know, every time he tried to like play you know too close to my kids they were like kind of freaking out and they ended up just like leaving Mm -hmm. and i saw them like once things had chilled out a bit Mm -hmm. i saw them again right and uh the parents i if i remember correctly were still wearing masks but they didn't have a mask on the kid at this point and he just seemed like not able to like be social because he had been conditioned at that point like no stay away from these kids stay away from these Mm -hmm. kids like six feet fucking away and it's like kids don't learn that way you know like it's just like and i just remember feeling like so sad inside right because like i didn't i didn't put a mask on my kids once we i refused to do that and like you know after a certain point like i refused to wear a mask period oh absolutely and like that never forget stuff's real. Like at my job, they were trying to give us overtime to tell people to put their masks on at tournaments. Like they were so money hungry that they were still having tournaments, but you have to wear your mask and we're going to pay people overtime to enforce it. And like right then and there, I was like, before that I was done with it. But you know, when, when you see that the money is more important and like, then you really start looking into things. It's, it's, it's a whole different ball game, but like just holding our ground and like moving forward about that shit. Like I want to say never forget. And like, I feel that. And like, we've seen people change their minds, dude. But like just today, like I was sitting in the Wawa parking lot rolling up and I'm like watching people walk in and out of Aldi's and they've got their masks on. Like someone told me today, I haven't looked into it supposedly, there's a new COVID strain and it kills people. I don't think so. I not I guess, that I've heard of. I guess I, the last, last I'd heard about the new one was that like it's definitely impacting those who are uh, have taken the Fauci ouchie more than it is people who haven't. Absolutely. Uh, and they're saying it's like derived from uh, like the shot is derived from like. Omicron variant, which was like literally the least impactful variant according mm-hmm. to their data, for whatever that's worth. The alpha variant's been the most dangerous. Yeah. Um, well, and like we've talked about, you know how Andy like put seventy five hard into perspective for us in like the beginning of things, but. He also helped with, like, a lot of that COVID shit, too. And, like, he's been, like, a huge voice in my head, you know, as far as all that. Oh, same, dude. I mean, that guy has been in my, a voice in my head for years now. Um, has helped change my life. I mean, I when I think about 75 Hard and, like, the way it's impacted my life mm-hmm. over the last three years, right? when I really started this journey of like really going in and making this my life, Mm -hmm. 
my look at look at who I was around then and look at who I'm around now. My friend group yep. is entirely different. Oh, good God. You know, like, I mm-hmm. mean, some of the guys, all the people I hang around with are all like jujitsu guys or, you know, uh, are doing things, you know, on an entrepreneurial level. Some are both, yeah. uh, um, you know, all people guys. Big money moves. Yeah, big money moves. Uh, have great relationships with their wives. Mm-hmm. Right, like. I've really been evaluating the people around me, what I want, how I want to grow, where I want to go, right? And a lot of that shit, the reason these people are good to interact with me is because I've been showing for literally years now yep. that this is who I am, this is what I do, and this is this is how I live, yep. you know? It's, it's put the man together, the world falls into place. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I would say that the program has impacted you in very much the same way. Oh, yeah, dude. I you know? Like, when I finally decided to get on, like, my... Well, I failed the first round 75 hard, and then when I finally got on it again, you were like, let's go. Like, let's start today. Like, the thing about you is, like, you don't give any options. Like, you wake up, and the mind... Like, this was before now, like, 75 hard is an everyday thing now but before like it was just an ultimate decision it was like hey i'm getting my first workout in today's day one 75 hard let's go yeah you in or out yeah i have no choice i either hop on and i complete this shit and i prove to myself and the others that i'm about it or i just let time pass and you get your second round done and that's just how it is for me (laughs) <laughs> and I, I decided then I was like nope I'm gonna do this shit like my chances of finishing with somebody are probably better than my chances of finishing without somebody because I've seen how it works when I'm doing it by myself I right. wake up on day 60 with no progress picture and it's because usually that should be one of the first things throughout the day or it should be something that you do as soon as you're done a workout right my headphones are dead. Can you still right. hear me good? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine. Uh, my phone is probably going to die here soon, so let's uh, let's close it up. I got to get ready for uh, my <laughs> my week. Yeah, right, bro. Um, Dude. So what would what would you say uh, before closing it out? Uh, what are your final thoughts? What do you feel uh, most compelled to say to anybody that's like? meandering with the idea or is maybe listening to this podcast never having heard of 75 hard or andy frisella or ever been somebody that's into fitness or bettering themselves right it's just like not ever thought about the way they eat or any of these things that like have have ultimately all been changed in a lot of ways for you what would you say to someone like that um i would tell them that like You just got to get started. And, like, it sounds so simple and it sounds so ridiculous to, you know, somebody who hasn't, you know, just started something in their lifetime. Um, Just make the move. Like, I started with just walking every single day. Like, after 9 o'clock when the sun's down so nobody can see my ass because I'm so... I'm struggling with myself at that point so bad that 
I didn't want to see other people or be around other people that I'm walking at night every day and just creating a consistency and a habit. And like one habit turns into another and to another and like making drastic changes or, you know, like if I were to change my diet in huge ways, it was never sustainable. But if like I made one choice every single day, you know, to cut something out of my life or to bring something into my life that benefits it, like I'm making a choice to become better. And if anybody just wants to get started, all they got to do is make one change, one change. And they got to do it for seven days. And then after seven days, they can realize that they can do it for 14 days. The next thing they can do, you know, habits for 75 days. And like that eventually hey. where it leads to and like it's such a hard concept starting out to grasp and i say that because it was for me too you know i couldn't even put you know a day of eating good in the box and now i can eat good for as many months as i want to if i make that choice um, I hope, you know, I hope to be able to, that's right. I buddy. hope to be, I hope to be able to do like a thousand days, you know, cause that's what the ultimate goal is, but baby steps. Hey, one day at a time, exactly. brother. I, Rob, I really appreciate you, uh, taking some time fucking killing a Sunday night exactly. with me and hopping on here, sharing some of your journey, sharing your story, um, fucking busting some shit out from the cookie jar, oh. sharing some gut level, deep yep. shit. I appreciate it, man. I feel like I learned more about you as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, Dude, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. You know, the relationship's been beneficial in all ways. And thanks for, you know, sharing truthfully to everybody and everything. This platform has been amazing, dude. Thank you. I appreciate you. Love yep. you, dog. Baker and Bong Tamar yes. out.